Hello! Welcome to the Christchurch Fox Chapel podcast. It's the fastest growing conservative evangelical charismatic asbestos. Whoa! Podcast. In a mystery location. No one knows where the asbestos is. Could be anywhere. Three. It's a Greek word. Asbestos? Yeah. Oh, really? means fire. Does it really? Yeah. Oh, so it's asbestos. Uh, It's a fire retardant. Yeah. So they named it asbestos. Yeah. It's kind of weird that they named it fire when it actually stops fire. They should have called it water. But yeah. Whatever. Or anti-fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anti-asbestos. Ook. <laughs> so it's ook asbestos. <laughs> no asbestos. So what? What is it again? What is asbestos? It's like a. It's this fibrous material that they put on onto things back in the day. The day. Yeah, it was. It was a fireproof <laughs> material that they would spray or or lay into buildings between rooms and floors. Floors such as my toilet. As the toilet yep. in behind the rector's desk. Yes. My toilet has been broken into, as yeah. Mr. Bridger once said in the movie The Italian Job. And there are some <laughs> things to an Englishman that are sacred. A toilet is one of them. Yes. So that's being... My uh, toilet My toilet is uh, falling through the ceiling into yeah. the men's bathroom. It's got to uh, be a good joke there. It's, well, I mean, it's, in, it's <laughs> it laden with joke. hilarity. Um, however... <laughs> we've had to get the builders in to fix it. And it's also laden with asbestos. Yes. <laughs> so we've so learned today. We have. Yeah. So that But the happened. studio is safe. Yeah, the studio is safe. And all of you who come to church here, you're all safe. You're not going to get mesothelioma by attending church. For at least Christ. 20 years. And it, that's It'll thing. be at least 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> you can just... Yeah. And who needs to worry about 20 years from now? So just... just to be absolutely doubly safe, we don't recommend anyone using my bathroom unless they're over the age of 90. Don't, yeah. <laughs> and and don't lick, especially don't lick the back of the tiles. No, that's fine. That's fine. Licking is fine. Licking is fine. It has to be breathed. Oh, don't breathe. Yeah, don't, licking is wonderful. Don't snort off of the back of the tiles. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> it's like being back in the law firm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A strong image. So, uh, yeah, sorry. I wasn't meaning to go there. No, we're um, trying to get ourselves cancelled with this. This will do it. So yeah. go on then. So uh, we're talking about Hebrews. Are we? <laughs> yeah, well, that's what we're supposed to be doing. And uh, Woven seamlessly into the theme of the day, like, like, a, like a mat of asbestos. Like fiber. a mass of asbestos. Uh, that, yeah, just like a mat of asbestos, <laughs> the author of Hebrews weaves the disruption and injunction in mm. chapter six into oh. the larger narrative about Melchizedek. Melchizedek. So we're back on track. We're back on in track. In other words. Yeah. Okay. So we... This we, is going to be a constructive podcast. You can feel it coming, can't you? We yeah. don't have Debbie here to help us. So we had... <laughs> she was very helpful actually keeping us on track. Yeah. So we had... Uh, we have this reference to Melchizedek. We've actually had a couple. Yeah. Um, but it's almost like... Oh, it's like Melchizedek, you know, and, and we don't know. And it sort of just looms. And then we move on very quickly to lots of other things. But now there's no getting away from it. It is we have week one and two of of Melchizedek month now, and we're talking. Hebrews is this book that's constantly 
showing how all of Old Testament religion, mm. all of Judaism is is fulfilled and yes. uh, by Christ, that he's the better, he's the antitype to the type. We'll talk, maybe we can talk about that. Um, things are like things, right? Yeah, this is, this is uh, Jesus is the bigger and better of this. And right. so one of the things that uh, these... Hebrews who were probably lapsing back into Phariseeism mm-hmm. would have relied upon is sort of the the priestly image, right? Okay. So you had so we have the, we have a, we have a priestly system, uh, or yeah. they they have a priestly system of, of particular Levitical priests. So this is priests who have descended from the tribe of Levi. Uh, they're they're from the tribe of Levi. They are the only ones who are who are allowed to function in the priestly fashion in the temple, right? Yeah. Uh, and so that's a special tribe with a special rule, special, special role, right? Uh-huh. And, and Melchizedek is also a kind of priest, but he's not from that tribe. So we're going to explore the whole question of who, who is he? Where's he come from? What's he doing in the Old Testament? He's a mysterious character who appears and yeah. sort of disappears and um, emerges once or twice. Who is he? What kind of a priest is he? How does he differ from the regular ones? Uh-huh. And really, the the point here is that you know you've got regular priests, and then you've got this special, odd uh-huh. priest. And Christ is a bigger, better, special, odd priest. That's the summary of of these two weeks. Yeah, the real priest. Um, right, right, right. Yeah, maybe he's the regular one, and the other the Levitical priests are just a yeah pointers to that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but. I, I guess the, the, I was I was reading this. The, the question I was wondering mm-hmm. is like um, these people assumed that you need a priest, mm-hmm. and that's not really an assumption that most people think about today. In today, like they, sometimes they don't really believe that there's even a god, mm-hmm. or um, if there is a god, they're sort of like, well, we can just be, we just assume, buddy, buddy, Jesus, or. Um, mm-hmm. the, that there's that God is not holy or other. So what's so, so what's prior, the deal with that? So prior to the incarnation and death and resurrection of Jesus, the tearing of the temple curtain and uh, the mediation of Christ, right? Yeah. Prior to that, your relationship with God was mediated by another system, and that was by the system of the priests making sacrifices in the temple. And it had to be that way, right? Because right. like, God then, is not a human. God is right. God is not like us um so they were they were standing uh in between you and god representing god to you representing you to god and and they've been selected by god for that purpose there's not a conceit here they didn't say i'm going to be great they they were born to it and they were selected for it and in the case of the high priest uh he was trained for it and prepared for it for a long time um like an, an intermediary right and yes uh, and so that that image really um, crops up a lot in Hebrews, the image of the priest, the temple, and the sacrifice under the old covenant, mm-hmm. and Christ being a type of those things, but bigger and better, permanent and perfect. So, you know, the priests of old, we looked at this a few weeks ago, they were tempted. Mm-hmm. Well, Christ was tempted in every way, but yet without sin. So, so Christ is like a priest, but sinless. Um, we've had this... Um, image of the temple curtain last week being torn yeah um we've had sacrificial language several times in the in in this book yeah uh you know you would you would sacrifice certain animals at certain times of the year for certain things thanks or 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 repentance or uh, to purify things or or to you know to to celebrate so the uh, the original audience 
I think had a had a set of assumptions that maybe believers will will share now, but um, that our wider culture doesn't, and that is that there is something in in human nature that needs to be atoned for, and yes. there's something there's a, such a thing as the the wickedness of the world is not just external to us, but there's something inside of you and me that mm. needs to be resolved before we can stand before perfection yeah perfection and deity yeah and yet in the same breath there's also this sense of god condescending to us at our level somehow and creating a mechanism by which we can relate with him so in the case of the old covenant it was the priesthood right those priests were flawed and yet they were chosen by god for the purposes of of helping us have relationship with god yeah um and as was the temple and as were the sacrifices they weren't perfect, and they had to be done over and over again because they never really lasted. But they were temporary, mediatory um, things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, I think thing is the right word. So they, they were liturgical items. Uh, whether it was the candlesticks and the bowls and the altars and all of the stuff, those, those were liturgical items. Yeah. So also were the priests. And actually, by the way, so are angels. And actually, by the way, so is Jesus. He is uh, a... Uh, the ultimate thing, if you dare put it that way, amongst many other things, you know, I, that I enables would, you to get right with God. It just reminded me of um, something I was reading about for one of the mm-hmm. earlier sermons in Hebrews. Uh, one of those it didn't make the sermon, but uh, I think it was FF our man FF. Oh yeah, uh, who's no longer with us? He's with the Lord now. Uh, FF Bruce, um, BB Bruce. BB Bruce, yeah. uh, BBB, no longer with us, as you'll doubtless recall. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but he said, um, just pointed out that, like, for the Hebrew Christians in, who were who were reading this, you know, the Old Testament liturgical system of mm. slaughtering goats and all this stuff, it had this visceral experience that Christianity couldn't didn't really have quite so much Mm. right so like you know when you if you've sinned and you want to feel like you're okay again Mm. like seeing the blood of a seeing a a goat die is going to like (laughs) give you a strong sense of like okay like this has been paid for um and actually even the cost of the goat is going to be relevant as well isn't it yeah you know you get this um it's cost you something it's been you know that's a big deal yeah because, you know, you see in Malachi, for example, people tempted to bring lame animals uh-huh. that they were going to get rid of anyway. And and then just sort of get rid of something, do, do kind of like a, a cheap sacrifice. And that's a, there's a, there's a church giving sermon for you. But, um, it really is. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that's right. It's a costly mm-hmm. and it was visceral. Um, and so it's, it's almost like the burden is sort of on the author to show that the atonement achieved on the cross is more deeply relevant and greater to, and and, and more relevant to our lived experience mm-hmm. than all of this thing that feels really, that would have felt for them really visceral. So it's really a question mm-hmm. of how do we, how do we deal with sin? I guess is right. like, that's the question over overriding and all so of this. The same question that they were dealing with in the old Testament is being dealt with in the new Testament. Yeah. Same question. And actually, in many respects, the same system is at work. It's just reimagined and amplified and fulfilled and uh, in Christ. Yeah. Uh, so, okay, so we're, we, now, we now come across Melchizedek, Melchizedek. Uh, which is how we like to say it, uh, King of Salem. 
so so Melchizedek, uh, meaning king of righteousness, uh, he's from a place called Salem, meaning peace. So yeah. he's also like Shalom. Shalom. So he's also the king of peace. So the king of righteousness is the king of peace. And in chapter 7, verse 1, um, all we know is that Melchizedek is a king and he is a priest. Yeah. That's what we know about him. Oh, can I point something nerdy out that's not that? Even more nerdy? Yeah. Go on then. <laughs> okay. Uh, in Hebrew, uh, S and SH are really the same letter, but there's like a point, a dot that's either on the left side or the right side mm. that tells you which one it is. A scene or a sheen. Scene or sheen. And then there's they, they didn't have uh, in the original manuscripts vowels um so it was just of slm slum slum or Which, so shalom and salem could be the same if you just had you just see it slm mm. so um it's called hebrew pointing so that's why we say oh okay say king of salem that's peace Right, same as shalom which means peace it's just slm yeah like the like the arabic Phrase right, assalamualaikum. Is oh. with it. peace? Oh, I don't, I don't know that. But that's I cool. think it's the same thing. Yeah, yeah. So, so he's, so he's, he's Melchizedek. He is the king of righteousness. He is also the king of peace, shalom, yeah. salem, peace. Uh, and he's a priest. So a priest, king of righteousness and peace. Oh. Right, that's what we know about the dude. He is a mysterious character. He's not just mysterious in Hebrews. He's mysterious in Genesis too. That we don't know Genesis also. We don't know lots and lots about him. We know a little about him. Um, but yeah. we, but what we do know about him is fascinating, and partially, the I think the thing that's sig- so significant to the author of Hebrews is mm. how much we don't know about him. That's the big deal. Yeah, it's like he's sort of particularly he, the non-knowing about where he came from or where he's going. Yes, so we don't really know uh, what his background is, and we don't really know how he died, which yeah. is quite important to the author of Hebrews. Yeah, because he's still alive. We don't know how he died. That's All right. All right, so chapter seven, verse, chapter 7, verse 1. Yeah. Oh, no, or do you want to, well, the end of verse 20, we ended my passage last week with, um, we have a short and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So Jesus is like Melchizedek. And then suddenly the passage morphs into your passage and you know all about it. So, <laughs> so what does it mean? Okay, so I think this is answering <laughs> objections. So the objections would be, okay, we need Jesus to be, he's arguing that Jesus is a real priest, can really deal with your sin. Okay. But they might say, well, he was not a Levite. Uh, He wasn't a Levite. He's not from the correct tribe to do priestly things. So the burden of this passage is to say, A, um, he's from a greater priesthood than the Levites were. Mm -hmm. And... um, and B, that, well, it's greater because it it came before. Um, so that's sort of, I guess it's really one point, but two so levels So just of to know, there is an exception to this whole priest thing. There is actually, even in the Old Testament, a different type of priest that is arguably better than a Levitical priest. Uh-huh. So he that's, can actually, that's, all, that's all we need to know for now, right? Yeah, and he can deal with your sin better than these other things. So, so they already had a better thing than the Levites. Okay, cool. And it was something to do with Melchizedek. Yeah. Okay. He's king of Salem, priest of the most high God. That's That word refers to like the, the highest of the most. Really? Yeah. Like if there's a pan, if there is a pantheon of gods, like Zeus, the Greeks would write about Zeus with that word. Um, like he's the top God. 
met with Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings. So mm-hmm. Abraham uh, took care of, this is in Genesis 15? I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he goes out to uh, these kings attack and take Lot hostage, his cousin. Um, and, no, cousin? Brother-in-law? I forget. Um, and they, uh, Abraham goes and rescues Lot, beats mm-hmm. the kings, and uh, verse 2, and to him, Melchizedek, Abraham apportioned a tenth part of everything. A tithe. A tithe. Um, I see. So he gives to Melchizedek a tenth of all, all that he has, which is a common theme in Scripture. Yeah, the... The people were to give a tenth of everything that they had to the Levites. Mm-hmm. And the Levites, out of that pot of money, a tenth of that went to the priests. Right. Specifically. So. Yes. The whole tribe receives a tenth, right? Yeah. And then the priests who are taken from that tribe get a tithe of the tithe, right? Tithe of the tithe. Because the Levites don't have their own property, unlike all the other tribes. Yeah. Okay. So uh, Abraham does a normal thing, right? He meets yeah. a priest that's normal. Priest is nice, that's normal. Uh, you've beaten up the bad guys, that's normal. The priest blesses him, that's normal. And Abraham responds by tithing, that's normal. So yeah. lots of normal stuff going on. He is first, that is Melchizedek, is first by translation of his name, king of righteousness. Simply what his name means. And then he's also king of Salem, that is king of peace. So double meaning. Um, he's without father, or this is where this the little that we know about Melchizedek is so helpful. He's without father or mother or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but resembling the son of God, he continues a priest forever. Right. Now, if you asked the author of Hebrews, do you really think that Melchizedek was like an ageless, eternal being? He would have probably said, well, no. Who appeared without birth and disappeared, you know, assumed without death. And is eternal. That's not the point. No. The point is that the scriptures introduce him in the middle of life. We don't hear anything about where he comes from. Mm-hmm. Other, well, we hear he's king of Salem, but wherever that is. and He's the cotton-eye Joe of the Old Testament. <laughs> <laughs> where, where did he come from? from where did, where he, did go? he go? Yeah, we don't know. <laughs> uh, we don't even know if he got married. Yeah, and he... Um, was a long time ago. Where did it go? Where did it go? Uh, yeah. So um, this, the silence around Melchizedek is instructive because we, he sort of, we get the sense of a, of a priesthood that doesn't end, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so the Levitical priests, they died and then they're no longer priests. But this guy... Right. There's something know, about him... So how to phrase this? Almost like the the almost mythical story of Melchizedek endures. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Now, he's not the stuff of legend. He's real. He's clearly presented here as real in numerous ways, and Genesis presents him as real. So it's not King Arthur or, you know, whatever. But um, there's something timeless about the story of Melchizedek. He does appear mysteriously and disappear mysteriously. Yeah. And I, I think that this is one of those things that um, he's the type. So mm-hmm. uh, the author of Hebrews looks at Jesus, and then he, the early Christians would have read back through the Old Testament scriptures, 
and seen this, the silence surrounding Melchizedek, Melchizedek and him being paid tithes by Abram and saying, and they would have said, oh, mm. that is a, a big arrow pointing to Jesus. That's what typology is. Mm-hmm. It's like a, it's an image in, right. a, a, called a type um, in the Old Testament mm. that points to the anti-type or the greater reality. Right. Um, not like anti as in so opposite. A, like but, a prototype. And a yeah, prototype antitype. and, and uh, antitype. Yeah. Yeah. So you have you have type so typology the idea that essentially a, a thing is recapitulated. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you might say that that um, you know uh, a coin is a bit like a type of the king because it has the head of the king on it, perhaps. Uh, yeah, something like that. But but this is more than that. Even that, isn't it? It's like saying, mm, yeah. I mean, had an architect's model, maybe, of like a village or something. Yeah. It's like a type of the real thing. Yeah, it's kind of like that. You do know that that's not the real thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. There's a bigger a, one coming. It's like a, God's like a pool player who calls his shots before he makes them. Oh, that's cool. You know, yeah. like, yeah. Uh, he's he's like, this is, this is going to go in, this ball's going to go into that corner pocket. And it does. And then he does it, you know. Um. So, Yeah. Uh, verse so, four. Oh, go ahead. Well, it's just, so Melchizedek appears mysteriously, disappears mysteriously. He is nonetheless real. What we know about him is that he's the king of righteousness and he's the king of peace. He is a priest and Abraham interacts with him as a priest. He receives blessing from him and he gives tithes to him. And um, because scripture is quiet about where he comes from and where he goes, Cotton I Joe, uh, in a sense, his type goes on forever. His, his, the idea of him goes on forever. Yeah. That's, that's where we are, right? Yeah. Okay. Verse four, see how great this man was to whom Abraham, the patriarch, gave a tenth of the spoils. So there's an exclamation mark here in my translation. Yeah, which I too. think you, you managed to exclaim the word spoils quite yeah. nicely as a result. Thanks. Spoils. Um, spoils. Uh, assuming it's just the spoils that's exclamatory. But uh, I think this little throwaway remark, the patriarch, is significant because we're saying here, yeah. don't forget, Abraham's a big deal. Uh-huh. Abraham is not an ordinary dude. Throughout the New Testament, you have all this, where the children of Abraham, Abraham's the father of many, Abraham's the original recipient of the Abrahamic covenant, all of the promises to give you an offspring in whom the nations will be blessed, it all flows from Abraham. This is the father of the nation. This is the embodiment of, of Judaism. So, so for Abraham... Yeah. Um, uh, to be the patriarch is a reminder. Don't forget, he is really your big deal, Abraham. And the Bible acknowledges, the biblical authors kind of had this idea and, and acknowledgement that generations are tied together. So oh, that's interesting. they would think of like, uh, one's, your descendants are present in you. Really? Uh, so like, I don't know, in your, yeah. So he, you get this idea, at least this is what FF Bruce says. Um, <laughs> and he's pretty reliable. Uh, he says, and though, verse five, and those descendants of Levi who receive the priestly office have a commandment in the law to take tithes from the people, that is, from their brothers, though these are descended from Abraham. So, get that? They're like, they are within Abraham. Right. Uh, and that's basically because Abraham has kids, right? Uh-huh. Isaac. And, and then Isaac has Jacob. And then uh, Jacob has his sons. And For- we go on and on. Verse and, 9 makes yeah. it explicit. Okay. One might even say that Levi himself, who receives tithes, paid tithes 
through Air, through Abraham. Right. He's like saying Levi's right there so in his loins. <laughs> in <your> loins. <laughs> There's not enough loin talk, I feel, nowadays. I know. We've so got to gird up our loin, gird. Gird our loins for that. We have a girdies on the staff team. We don't have a yeah. loin. Do you know I looked that up once of what, what it means to gird your loins? It just means to like take the, they wore like kind of robes or dresses and mm-hmm. you'd like tie it up into athletic shorts so that you could battle. Put, put chairs out between services. Uh-huh. Yeah. We don't really need to gird our loins because we have pants now. We invented those. Which we invented just after COVID. <laughs> In the Anglican church. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we finally did. dispensed of third century garb. So we girded yeah. our loins for the season of ministry Permanently. To come. Permanently. <laughs> like Melchizedek, a permanent mysterious girding of the loins. <laughs> <laughs> so what I love about this then is that the, the argument, it really does take some understanding of the system. But the, the argument is, is that, you know, you know you guys normally will give a tenth, that is to say a tithe, to the tribe of Levi. And, and yeah. the tribe of Levi will give a tenth to its priests. So that the priests can eat and all of that, and so that the tribe can live, because they don't have their own yeah. um, income stream from their own crops and properties and things. So um, you know that, right? Um, well, don't forget this tribe of Levi is actually descended from Abraham. So that Levi comes from Abraham. Now, their father, Abraham, the originator of all of this stuff, actually gave tithes to Melchizedek and received a blessing from Melchizedek. And so there's something about Melchizedek superior to Abraham. Yeah. And because the Levites descend from Abraham, there's something about Melchizedek superior to the Levitical priesthood. It is a bigger, this is a bigger priesthood. So Melchizedek is a bigger priesthood than the Levitical priesthood. Yeah. Now, you could also argue, mm-hmm. as maybe some of the readers would have, right. that uh, the the Levitical priesthood came later, and so therefore it supplanted the Melchizedekian priesthood. You know, like, in the same way that version 2.0 supplants version 1.0. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, well, new and improved. We got the Levitical priesthood. Mm-hmm. But the author of Hebrews says, no, no, no. Uh, here's the thing. Uh, verse 7, it is beyond dispute that the inferior is blessed by the superior. So... Not only did Abraham, or Abraham, I forget which one he was at that point, pay tithes to Melchizedek, but Melchizedek blesses Abraham. Right. Which only happens in the uh, when, from a superior to an inferior. So the blessing is initiated and given by whoever is yeah. is the more is is the superior. So we're dealing with mm-hmm. unquestionably a greater reality. You see, he's like he's doing kind of a answering objections here mm, more uh, excellent more excellent yeah. um Ooh, i hope the shiner and Crython family are listening to this because the word is is Crython. Crython. yeah shout out to you shiner Crythons. yeah um comparatively superior figuratively better nobler better best more useful more serviceable and more advantageous and more excellent that's what the word means superior and I think that's pretty much, that's my passage. That, yeah. That's our passage this week. Yeah. Like, uh, Levi is in the loins of Abraham when Abraham meets Melchizedek. So Melchizedek mm. is superior to Abraham and superior to Levi. And Jesus is a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. He's part of the bigger high priesthood. Now, before we wrap it up, um, you are allowed into verse 11 
because these weeks oh, yeah. were overlapping. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, right. so just as you get um, my verses nineteen and twenty from next week, you're also getting my eleven from next week. Um, or maybe nineteen and twenty were mine the whole time, and you were borrowing them. I'm from older me. than you, so it's un- it's, <laughs> it's beyond doubt. <laughs> that I'm superior. You are so, the superior. Yeah, yeah. Bless me. I've blessed you with verse eleven. Um, <laughs> which so next week we're actually going to dig into this more uh, yeah. and uh, again and and look at the I guess the problem of the Levitical priesthood, the deficiencies of it, or the insufficiencies of it might be a better way of putting it. Yeah. And you just get a hint of it, don't you, right? If perfection, verse 11, had been attainable through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need would there have been for another priest to arise after the order of Melchizedek, rather than one named after the order of Aaron? We will spend a lot more time exploring that, but the setup is is fairly basic. Um, if the Levitical priesthood and the law and all of that stuff was enough, then there'd be no need for another one. Um, but actually, we should expect a, a type of Melchizedek to return. Oh, okay. Wait, so this is actually two different important things. One, huh? uh, one, the Melchi- Jesus' priesthood is bigger than the Levitical priesthood. So this is important for them to, for them and us to realize that this is the, the best place to go. But what if some of the Hebrew Christians were like, yeah, but Levitical priesthood's working for me. You know, I, mm. I get it, but mm-hmm. like, this is a lot easier. <laughs> no one's persecuting <laughs> me for sticking with the Levitical priesthood and Judaism. So I'm just going to stay with that. So in the next passage, he's going to be like, no, 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 you don't understand. The Levitical priesthood is not working. It's not, not working for you. And it's not enough. Yeah. Um, our, what is it? That right. uh, the system you're currently employing is guaranteed to uh, produce, give, the, produce outcome. the results, yeah. the outcome that you're currently getting. Yeah, that's it. Your, yeah. System, your system is perfectly tuned to get the results that you're currently getting. So, that's it. And they, what are the results they're currently getting? They're getting the burden of the law, continual sin, endless traipsing back to the temple. Except for the temple's about to be wrecked. <laughs> yeah, um, judgment. They're all under judgment. They're all under judgment. Uh, scholars debate whether this was came before AD seventy yeah. when the temple was. What's the consensus before or after? I think people you know? think before. Before the temple, no, well, that's why there's so before. much temple language. Yeah, because okay. you wouldn't. Uh, about it so much. There's just so much obsession with the temple. But we know that they're on borrowed time, therefore, because in AD seventy, Rome is sacked and the temple is raised. Yeah, uh, raised being one of those words that usually means lowered in this context. Oh, my, this reminds <laughs> me of something that Mike Shiner said two weeks ago. Uh, another uh, Shiner. Crichton, um shout out, but um, he said, you know, Mike grew up um, in a, grew up Jewish, and he said in the synagogue, what they would basically say as far as how to deal with sin, since, you know, the temple is, has, had been destroyed in eighty seventy, mm. was fast, fast once a year on Yom, Yom Kippur, mm. and you're good. Oh, Okay. <laughs> so oh. there's a and and I was he, expecting a, and Mike, a list. Mike said that he found that to be really uncompelling, like because <laughs> it wasn't. It's not like dealing with the human condition. We all know that sin's a bigger deal than that, and so yeah. um, well, you know you had to you have to minimize sin if you have no way to, for atoning for it. You have to deny the fact that it that it exists, uh, uh, right? And that was essentially the argument in the last couple of weeks is that you have to keep redoing these things. Yeah, it, it doesn't last. No, the 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 existing Levitical system 
is is flawed because your priest is flawed and it's flawed because you have to keep redoing it all the time. Yeah. And so something permanent and lasting is needed. And the argument in Hebrews is, well, there was something bigger and better than that Levitical system beforehand. That was Melchizedek. And therefore Melchizedek. what we should be what should be waiting what we should be waiting for, therefore, is a kind of priest who is a type of Melchizedek to come mm. uh, who who will be superior. And mm. of course what we have in Christ is is someone who's superior to Melchizedek. So Jesus is a superior Melchizedek. Melchizedek is superior to, to Levi, to, 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 to the high priest who is superior to the priest, who is superior to the tribe, who is superior to the people. So you've got this whole kind of thing. This is a bigger, better, 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 better version of the thing. Yeah. Um, really. And if you want to deal with sin, you need to have a, bit, a real, a big Christ. The, the greater your vision of Christ, mm-hmm. the more honest you're going to be able to be with your, about your own flaws and your own failings. Uh, this is why I think in throughout our society we're so full of hypocrisy because we're unable to actually get down into the nitty gritty and be honest. Because um, we're terrified of being exposed and yeah, picked on or shamed or cancelled. We have to lie to ourselves and to others in order to feel mm. that we're um, to project an illusion that we're somehow well, okay. Well, the thing I think that really upsets people quite often when they've sinned yeah. is that they is that they sinned, that they didn't get the uh, ability to fix their own sin themselves. <laughs> yeah. I think you get that quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. Well, I see... Um, the, see children? I see children and music teachers coming, and so that's my signal that we should end this podcast. Unless, of course, you want to be played out by our, our new outro, which is Mrs. Fire live teaching the violin in the next room. Or some a, a student playing the violin, I think we'll pass. Okay, good idea. <laughs> this has been the podcast of questions. Thank you very much for joining us. See you all very soon. Goodbye. Stay classy. I'll turn it up, like really high. <laughs>